Hello and welcome to this message from Calvary Church. We're excited to hear from our special guest speaker, Franklin Graham. Franklin is the president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. He also oversees Operation Christmas Child and has met the needs of poor, sick, and suffering people in more than 100 countries. If this message impacts you, let us know. Email us at mystory@calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to support the ministry of Calvary Church financially, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org slash give. Now we invite you to open your Bible as Franklin begins. Thank you. It is good to be with you this morning. And I just want to thank everybody for uh, the support of Operation Christmas Child. Every box counts. Um, my father, many have asked after how he's doing. Well, he's in his 100th year. He turned 99 uh, this last uh this past month on the 7th of November. And uh, he told us when he was 90 that he was going to live to be 95. None of us believed him. Well, then when he got to 95, he moved the goalpost. And uh, he said, I'm now going to live to be 100. (laughs) We believe him. Uh, So he's in his 100th year. Uh, He's at home. He's resting well. He's got uh, staff that take care of him. And so we're grateful for the fact that he's still with us. Uh, even though he's not able really to do anything anymore, he's, uh, his ministry is prayer. And I, I believe in the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. And so I know he would appreciate your prayers for him. I, uh, Operation Christmas Child, I don't know how to begin to thank each and every one who's packed a box. Uh, these boxes go all over the world. I had a girl here last night um, from Bolivia, an exchange student, living with a couple from your church. And um, they brought her to bring, they bring her to church. And so she saw two weeks ago all the Operation Christmas Child shoebox. She began to cry. She said, I know this. She said, I have gotten this box before. And uh, she began to cry and began to tell her host family how she had gotten a box when she was a young girl in Bolivia. Well, she came by last night to meet me. Nice young lady. And... Last night, I gave an invitation for people to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. She came, and she stood on the front to give her life to Christ. A couple of years ago, I was here with uh, your pastor, and we were up in his study just between services, and a young lady uh, wanted to see me. And so one of the pastors came up, and they said, Franklin, there's a, a girl downstairs, and um, she would like to give you her shoebox. Okay. And so she came up and she called me Mr. Graham. Well, I knew she went from Albuquerque. <laughs> um, she, and she handed me her shoebox. So her little hands were shaking, and she handed them to me. And I said, well, thank you so much for the box. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from Bosnia. She said, during the war, she said, we lost our home lost my parents, and I was a refugee at a refugee camp, and you came with shoe boxes, And I got one of the boxes, and um, it meant so much to me to know that somebody cared for me, that there were people in the world that knew about the problems that I was facing. She said, I got adopted and I'm a, uh, by a family here in Albuquerque, and I'm going to the University of New Mexico. I got a job at Walmart, <laughs> and I... Uh, 
want to know if you would take uh, my box and give it uh, to a child like I was 10 years ago. And so these boxes, God uses them. And, you know, the, the power behind it is God. And God uses prayer. We ask people to pray uh, as you pack that shoebox just to pray for the child who's going to get the box. I don't know who's going to get the box. God does. And this year we'll collect about 12 million. And can you imagine 12 million people praying what God might do with your box and where he may send your box and how he may use your box? So thank you for every box and uh, every one of them is special. And no two boxes are alike. They're all different. Uh, people put their personalities in the boxes. It's kind of fun to watch children open them and the giggles and the excitement. But we use the boxes for evangelism. I want every child to know that there's a God. I want every child to know that God loves them. I want every child to know that God sent his son from heaven to this earth to take our sins, that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. I want the children of the world to know that. And not only do we present the gospel to every child, but we have a follow-up program. We have a discipleship program, a 12-lesson program that they go through for those that have received Christ. And then we encourage the children to share their faith. So it's evangelism, discipleship, and it's multiplication. We had this uh, last year. We had, a, and I can't tell you the country uh, because the guy would have his, uh, get his head cut off. But uh, it was a, an imam uh, in a city in the Middle East, and he was giving candy to all the students that came to the mosque to memorize the Quran. And he heard about Operation Christmas Child. So he asked if we would bring the shoeboxes over to give to his kids. <laughs> well, we're not going to reward kids for memorizing the Quran. We can't do that. Um, so we explained to the imam, we're sorry we can't do this um, because this is a, a Christian program. We want the children to know about God and his son Jesus Christ and that he died for our sins on the cross. And so uh, we, we just won't be able to do that. He said, you can do that. You say, what? This is a Muslim imam. And he's now giving us permission to hand out the shoeboxes and to give the gospel in his mosque. So the team gave out the shoeboxes, presented the gospel, and gave an invitation. 200 kids raised their hands to receive Christ. Now... Are all 200 of them saved? I have no clue. Only God knows that. Only God knows that. And the imam allowed it and encouraged it and wanted it. You never know how God will use these boxes because there's prayer behind them. There's power in prayer. And we want children to know about God's Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, there was a one pastor in Tanzania. And uh, he wanted to go to a Muslim area to plant a church. So he bought a little piece of property in this community. And the piece of property is about the size of this stage. Uh, he was just going to put up a little metal building that would hold about 30 people or so. Well, uh, he was told by the local um, elders that he could not build a church. He asked why. They said because this is a predominantly Muslim area and the people won't want a church here. So you can't build one. Okay. Well, the next year he came back with Operation Christmas Child and he gave shoebox gifts to all the children in the community. The community was so touched about this act of kindness, these gifts that had been given to the kids, they gave permission 
for him to build the church. Not only has he built a church, but kids, Muslim kids that got saved, okay, over a hundred of them, they're now part of that church. And so he's gone down to another village about 20 miles away, and it's a Muslim area. He's bought a piece of property. They told him the same thing. You can't build a church here. Okay. This year he's going to take Operation Christmas Child down to that village just to see what God might do. So pray for him. But thank you again. Every box is important. Have you noticed how divided our country is? It just seems it just gets worse, doesn't it? Uh, the level of hatred that's in the political world, uh, the media against the politicians, politicians against the media, um, political party against political party. Um, there used to be cooperation. There used to be give and take, and things seemed to move. But we're kind of at a point in our country where people don't want to work together, and it's all about winning. And we need to pray uh, for our politicians. You see, the Bible tells us in First Timothy, Therefore I exhort all of that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all who in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. God commands us to pray. And if things aren't going well, maybe it's because we as Christians are not praying the way we should be praying. Uh, we need to pray for the mayor of your city. We need to pray for your governor, for those that work in the state legislature. We need to pray. We need to pray for the senators and congressmen that go to Washington. We need to pray for the president, for the vice president. Why are, why are we to do this? So that we will have a quiet and peaceful life. We need, God wants us to put some skin in the game. He wants us to pray. And if we do this, then things are going to go better for us if we pray. But if we don't pray and things get bad, there's no one to blame except the church because we didn't pray. So I want to encourage everyone to pray for those in authority. Say, well, well, Franklin, I didn't vote for that person. It has nothing to do with who you voted for. This verse doesn't say only pray for those you vote for. Is to pray for all those that are in authority, regardless of how they got there. We have to pray because they make decisions that affect our lives, don't they? They pass laws that affect our lives. So we need to pray. Pray. I cannot emphasize the need for prayer more than ever before. Our country's in trouble. And I have no hope in the Republican Party. I have no hope in the Democratic Party. The only hope that I have is in God. God and His standards. In the recent uh, months, we have seen three devastating hurricanes uh, that uh, never seen anything quite like it. Hurricane Harvey in the southeastern part of the United States, southeast part of Texas, um, the entire southeast part of Texas went underwater. Um, they've never had rainfall like this. Many people did not have flood insurance because the areas where they lived weren't near a river, weren't near a stream, uh, and they had never flooded in their history. They went underwater. They said it was a thousand-year flood. Now, I have no clue who was around a thousand years ago to be able to compare this to, but they must have found somebody. The highest recorded rainfall in the United States. Many people ask, what's going on? 
is this climate change, global warming. Are we, mankind, are we responsible for what we're seeing? I don't know. A few days later, we had Hurricane Irma with the lowest barometric pressure that had ever been recorded in an Atlantic hurricane. The Category 5 storm ripped through Barbuda, the British Virgin Islands, St. Martin, Turks and Caicos, went across the Florida Keys, and then kind of boomeranged up the backside of the west coast of Florida. Then a few weeks later, here came Hurricane Maria. It came through Guadeloupe, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and absolutely destroyed Puerto Rico. And then a few days later, Hurricane Nate went up the Mississippi River Valley into the Ohio and dumped water and caused floods all the way to the mid-Atlantic states. And people want to know, what is going on? Is God trying to send a message to us? Is He trying to tell us something? Then we have the shootings in Las Vegas. 58 people were killed. 489 people wounded. Then we have the church shooting in Texas with 26 who were killed. People want to know what in the world has happened to our world. It's upside down. Something's wrong. Jesus made mention in Luke chapter 13. He said, There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. Otherwise, these people had come to make sacrifice and Pilate had them killed and he took their human blood and he mixed it in with the blood of their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you likewise will perish. Or the 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell, killing them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. So when we see these storms, these hurricanes, and these people that, that have lost so much property that, that have been killed in places like Guadalupe or take places like Puerto Rico or St. Martin's or wherever, were those people that died in those storms, were they worse sinners than everybody else in Puerto Rico, everybody else in Guadalupe or everybody else in St. Martin or wherever? No. Jesus said, but unless we repent, we too will perish. Or how about the people that died there in Vegas? They just went to hear a, a country western concert, country music, having a good time, minding their own business, and, and they die. Were they worse sinners than everybody else in Las Vegas at that time? Jesus said no. He would say no. But unless we repent, we also will perish. Repentance, that's what I want to talk about this morning to you, is repentance. You see, this gets God's attention when we repent. What is repentance? It's to turn from sin, to dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life, Webster's Dictionary says. To feel regret or contrition. 
to change one's mind. Jesus warns, unless we repent, we too will perish. You see, there is a judgment. God is going to judge sin, period. Slam dunk deal. He's going to judge sin. The Bible says, and this is in First Chronicles, and Second Chronicles chapter 6. When your people go out to battle against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you toward this city which you have chosen, and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy and take them captive to a land far or near, yet when they come to themselves in the land where they have been carried captive and repent and take and make supplication to you, in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done wrong, and we have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all of their heart and with all of their soul in the land of their captivity where they have been carried captive, and pray toward their land which you gave their fathers, and the city which you have chosen, and toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer, their supplications, and maintain their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now may God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayers made in this place. What God is saying in this Old Testament passage is that if we sin and God brings judgment, and we call out on His name, we confess our sins, tell Him that we have been wicked, and turn from those sins, that God will hear. God will hear. And some of you may say, you know, Franklin, I feel like God has judged my life already. My, my life is in a mess. My marriage broken. My kids are in a mess. You may be on drugs or alcohol, and you... Maybe you've been kicked out of school and you feel there's just no hope for your life. There is. God. God is here. He hasn't left. All we have to do is to call on His name. Tell Him that we have sinned. Be willing to repent. Repent is to turn and to leave that sin and to follow His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God will hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins and He'll heal our heart. The Bible says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 just persons who need no repentance. This is how heaven responds to just one sinner who repents. And I believe this morning, and I'm going to give an invitation in a few minutes, and I believe there's going to be many of you 
this morning that will repent and turn from your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says all of heaven. Think about it. Millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of angels rejoicing and singing praises to God over one. Just one sinner who's willing to repent. Are you willing to repent this morning? The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. All of us are guilty of sin. Franklin Graham's guilty. And the Bible makes it clear that the penalty of sin is death. God has put a death sentence over all of mankind. We were born into sin. We've all sinned. You say, but Franklin, come on. This is a new millennium. We Culture has changed. Oh, wait a second. I agree. Culture's changed. God doesn't change. The Bible says, I'm the Lord thy God and I change not. You see, His Word is the same yesterday, a million years ago, today, as it's going to be a million years from now. His Word doesn't change. His Word is the same. And that's what's so wonderful about God. He doesn't change. He's the same. And whatever He said, He keeps His Word. He keeps his oaths. He's a good God. And if you can't remember anything else, if you can't remember anything else, you remember this this morning. God loves you. He loves you. And he's willing to forgive your sins if you're willing to call on him this morning and turn from those sins. And by faith, believe on the name of Jesus Christ. You say, but Frank, what do you mean by sin? Lying is a sin. Have you ever lied? Maybe some of you say, well, no, I haven't done that. (laughs) Well, you're a liar. (laughs) All of us, I'm pointing the finger to myself, all of us have sinned. All of us have lied. Stealing. Well, when I was young, I took a dollar out of my mother's purse and I bought some candy with it. Does that count? Yeah, that's stealing. Put the dollar back in your mother's purse and tell her you're sorry. Coveting. That's right. Coveting is a sin. Looking at something that somebody else has and desiring to have that for yourself is a sin against God. Adultery. Any type of sexual relationship outside of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. All right. Marriage is defined by God as a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. I don't care what the state says. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. God defines marriage as between a man and a woman. Any type of sexual relationship outside of a marriage relationship is a sin. Now, there are many of you that are here this morning. You're guilty of sexual sins. You've been with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, multiple partners. You've cheated on your wife, whatever the case may be. The fact is God will forgive you this morning. He'll forgive you and he'll take that shame. He'll take that guilt. And he'll cleanse you. Murder. You say, well, Franklin, come on. This is New Mexico. They lock you up in jail. You can't go around killing people. Really? How about abortion? That's right. Some of you here this morning, you're guilty. And some of you women not only are guilty of having abortion, but you men, a boyfriend or a father, that is approved, or a husband that is approved and given approval, you're guilty too. I had a woman a number of years ago told me that she had had abortion 20 years earlier. She said, it's haunted me every day of my life. Every day I, I wake up in the morning, I wonder what that child would have been. 
when it turned 16, I thought about what that would have been maybe their first date, what they would have done and where they would have gone. And she said, it has haunted me. Can God forgive me for what I did 20 years ago? I said, you betcha. God's in the forgiving business. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came from heaven to this earth to take our sins. And when we repent, this gets God's attention. When we repent and we say, God, I had that abortion. I have sinned. I have lied. I have stolen. I've done all of these things and I'm sorry. God, I want to turn from that right now. And I want to trust your salvation, Jesus Christ. I want to put my faith and trust in him. God will hear that prayer and he'll forgive you this morning if you're willing to call on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and repent of your sins. We're under the death sentence and there's no one who can pay the debt of sin. You cannot pay the debt of sin. If you pay the debt of sin, that means you die. Someone has to pay that debt for you. And there's only one who can pay that debt and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus came from heaven to this earth to take our sins and he went to the cross and he died and shed his blood on a cross for you. And they stripped him of his clothes. They nailed him to the tree. And while he was on the cross, God poured out on his son all the sins past. He poured out on his son all the sins present. He poured out all the sins future. That's, that's you and me. And Jesus Christ died on that cross and he was buried for our sins. And on the third day, God raised his son to life. Jesus Christ isn't dead. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to take our sins. Will you put your faith and trust in him tonight or this morning? Remember this. God loves you. He made you. He created you. He knows everything about your life. But sin separates us from him. And the only way we can have a relationship with God is to tell him we're sorry. And to turn from those sins and by faith accept his salvation. You see, no one else has died for your sins. No one else paid that debt. Muhammad he never claimed to take the sins of the world. Shiva never claimed to take the sins of the world. Buddha never claimed to take the sins of the world. There's only one. That's Jesus. And he came from heaven to this earth for you. If you'd been the only person to ever live, he would have come for you. But you've got to be willing to repent. The Bible says, repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray, God, that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. You see, God judges the thoughts of our hearts. The Bible says if we hate somebody in our heart, it's like murder. Or if a person has lust for another man or a woman, it's the same as committing adultery. The thoughts of our heart have to be forgiven. Truly, these times of ignorance, the Bible says, God overlooked but now commends all men everywhere to repent. And that's what I'm talking about this morning, about repentance. Are you willing to repent, to tell God you're sorry? You say, Franklin, I wish I could turn from the sexual life that I've been living. I know it's wrong. I wish I could turn from drugs. I wish I could turn from alcohol and the parties and the things that I've been doing, the stealing. 
the line. But I just, I can't, I don't, I can't change. That's right. We, we, we can't change ourselves. God can change you, though. If you tell God you're sorry and turn from your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ this morning, guess what? The Holy Spirit of God will come into your heart and to your life. God will help you to change. You can't do it, but God will do it in you. I was 22 when I gave my life to Christ, and he's been working on me ever since. And I thank God for that decision I made. How about you? The Bible says to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Will you believe on him this morning? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God except through Christ. So I want to ask you, are your sins forgiven? Have you told God that you're sorry for your sins? Have you turned from them? If you'd like to do that this morning, I want to invite you to get up out of your seat and come stand right here, and we'll have a word of prayer together. And you can go back to be with your friends. They won't leave you. Um, I promise you that they'll stay here. But this is maybe the most important decision of your life. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But your sins separate you. You have to repent and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're willing to do that this morning, you'll be saved. Let's all stand. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, I want you to get up and come right here and just stand right here. And we'll have a word of prayer together. Just wherever you are, just get up and come. And we'll... Have a word of prayer. But you're coming not to Franklin Graham. I can't save you. You're coming this morning to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Come on. Are you sure that your sins are forgiven? You say, Franklin, I think so. I'm not talking about thinking nothing. Do you know it? Are you convinced? You see, this is life or death. It's heaven or hell. You have that choice this morning. But you've got to come to God repenting, telling God you want, you're sorry, telling Him you want to turn. And you've got to come believing on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Come on. 
you're not sure, come on. Do it quickly. Come on. God loves you. Come to Him. Jesus, take all of me. And I run to you. I run to you. I lay everything at your feet. Let my Anyone else? We got just a, another minute. You say, but Franklin, I don't like to come in front of everybody. I'm a shy person. That's embarrassing to be in front of a crowd. Remember, Jesus Christ died publicly for you. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They nailed him to a tree. And a person that had never sinned before. All your sins were poured out on him, and he did that publicly. So I'm asking you this morning to take that stand publicly for him. If you've never done that, come on, do it now. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome pardon, cleanse, relief. Because thy promises I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I Anyone else? We've still got a couple of minutes. Anyone else? Do this now. You may never have another chance. Do it now. Jesus, take all of me. And I run to you. I run to you. I lay everything at your feet. Let my life be I lay it. 